Weirdly, the story of the telephone as we know it is rooted in silence. And a little bit of debate, but we'll get to that. Since its official invention in 1876, the telephone and its offspring, the fax machine, the mobile phone, the modem, have helped build the modern world. The latest mobile phones, with their internet and video and time-stealing apps, would be unrecognizable to the original inventors. Yes, I said inventors. That device that can fit into your pocket has such immense processing power and can do so many tasks simultaneously, it's almost impossible to believe the technology started life with a simple phrase, spoken into a receiver that changed sound waves into electrical energy. Mr. Watson, come here. I want you. But the telephone wasn't what you'd call an instant hit. Many were doubtful of its usefulness or blind to its potential, and the company that held the original patent almost went out of business. That means if the doubters had had their way, there would have been no phone, no internet, no mobile devices, and no podcasts. This, then, is the story of a technology that overcame derision and skepticism to help shape the world we live in. This is the story of the telephone. Opposed to innovation, the stories of technologies that change the world. Brought to you by BMW. Just who invented the telephone is the subject of historical debate. The earliest attempt was by a Frenchman living in Belgium. His name was Charles Bossel, and in 1854, he developed an electromagnetic microphone, something that could change sound into electricity which is a fundamental part of telephones even today. Unfortunately, he couldn't figure out how to convert that electrical energy back into sound, which would be useful in a telephone. Around the same time, Antonio Meucci, an Italian inventor living in New York, installed a communication device between the basement and the second floor of his house in order to communicate with his ill wife. It was technically similar to a telephone, and his notes describing the device date from 1857, almost 20 years before the technology was introduced to the world. Another name in the claim for the inventor of the telephone is Elisha Gray, an American electrical engineer who not only created a prototype in the same year that the telephone was first patented, but filed his own provisional patent for his invention on the same day as the man who was eventually credited with its creation. Of course, history tells us that the patent was issued in 1876 to the Scotsman who is widely regarded as the father of the telephone, Alexander Graham Bell. Born in Edinburgh in 1847, Bell had a personal interest in sound and speech. His mother was deaf, as was Mabel Hubbard, the woman he would marry in 1877. He was a natural innovator who started inventing in his teens, and he went on to study the mechanics of speech. After immigrating to Canada and the U.S., Bell found himself teaching deaf children to speak using a system that his father had pioneered. He was so successful that he later founded his own school in Boston and later became professor of vocal physiology at Boston University. Not bad for a guy who didn't even have a university degree. In 1875, Bell and a partner, Thomas Watson, invented a receiver that turned electricity into sound. 
the only piece missing from Borsal's puzzle. And a year later, on March the 7th, 1876, he was awarded patent number 174465. The telephone was born. Almost immediately, there was a problem. The public didn't know what to make of it. According to a 1933 New Yorker magazine article, when the invention first appeared, people were impressed. They knew it was a clever device. They wondered how it worked, but they were about as likely to get one as they were to get their own airplane. And that meant that the newly formed Bell Telephone Company had no customers to connect, and on top of that, no way to connect them. In fact, it took two full years for the first telephone line to be constructed. There was also a very real concern some people had about the effects the telephone might have on their health. Also from the New Yorker, some insight into how people thought the devices would pop or explode. They wouldn't stand next to one in a lightning storm and were worried they'd get shocked by the wiring even if there wasn't a storm. If they saw one in a room, they'd keep their distance from it. On the intellectual end of the telephone mistrust spectrum was American author Charles Hallock. In an article for the journal Nature, Hallock describes what he saw as the dangers of the telephone, not least because it was, at the time, starting to be a regular feature in homes across the country. From the article, Its interminable network of wires is a perpetual menace to life and property. In its best performance, it is only a convenience. It was never a necessity. To be fair, Hallock didn't want the thing banned entirely, but instead proposed that phone installations be discontinued in homes and replaced with a system of telephone stations, one for every 36 city blocks. Imagine a world where you'd have to leave your home just so you can make a phone call. But the biggest threats to the telephone in its early days came from Elisha Gray and other people who claimed to be the new device's rightful inventor. Starting almost immediately, Bell was tied up in patent infringement court cases for literally decades. In the end, though, he defeated over 600 such claims, but not without cost. The endless litigation and lawyers' fees took a strain on the Bell Telephone Company's finances to the point where they were considering selling the patent, and this brought about the story with possibly the biggest impact that resistance to the telephone had on anyone. Before the phone, there was the telegraph, and one of the biggest telegraph companies of that day was Western Union, run at the time by William Orton. Bell's business partner and father-in-law was a man called G.G. Hubbard, who had a history and a bit of a rivalry with Orton. The two didn't like each other much. When Hubbard approached Orton with an offer to buy the telephone patent for $100,000, Orton and Western Union dismissed it. While the exact details of the story are lost to history, the memo that accompanied the refusal included lines like, Technically, we did not see that this device will ever be capable of sending recognizable speech over a distance of several miles. And, Bell wants to install one of their telephone devices in every city. The idea is idiotic on the face of it. Furthermore, why would any person want to use this ungainly and impractical device when he can send a messenger to the telegraph office and have a clear written message sent to any large city in the United States? Whatever the ins and outs of Western Union's reasons not to buy the patent, in the short term, it rendered their services obsolete and has gone down in history as one of the worst business decisions ever made. 
If you're listening to this and thinking, I guess back then technology for the masses was a new thing, so it's kind of understandable why people didn't see its potential. You have a point. But amazingly, examples of people resisting telephone technology didn't end after Bell had installed over 600,000 units by 1900, or even after that number had exploded to 2.2 million by 1905. You only have to look back less than two decades to see how history repeated itself with the invention of the iPhone. When it launched in 2007, the iPhone was revolutionary. At a time when all the best cell phones had a built-in keyboard, along came Apple and replaced it with a touchscreen. On top of that, they combined a cell phone with their incredibly successful media device, the iPod. Those two innovations in particular had many tech journalists claiming that the iPhone would fail spectacularly because, amongst other things, users would always want a tactile keyboard and cramming too much functionality into one box was a bad idea. Arguably, the most costly dismissal of the iPhone's innovations came from Steve Ballmer, who was CEO of Apple's biggest competitor, Microsoft. According to Ballmer, the iPhone was too expensive and claimed that it would only end up with 3% market share. Thankfully, he was very wrong. By 2021, the iPhone was used by more than a billion people around the world, and over 1.9 billion iPhones have been sold since its initial launch. If Bulma had been right, we'd arguably be living in a different world. We're listening to podcasts on your devices while tracking your workout after posting to Instagram would be a sci-fi fantasy. And the idea of influences would be a complete unknown. Across two centuries, the telephone has survived its setbacks. From difficulties in adoption to public fear, through to those who believe the cell phone as we know it would be a failure. The telephone has done more than just connect the world. It's helped propel it into the information age. No different from the telephone, exciting new innovations such as electric vehicles continue to face their fair share of doubters, with driving range and a lack of charging infrastructure being the primary reasons people do not consider electric vehicles. After almost five decades of research and development, BMW is taking the topic of sustainable and environmentally friendly mobility onto the road with a variety of electrified models. Impressive ranges make electrified driving and charging more flexible, convenient, environmentally friendly, and attractive than ever before. BMW has been pioneering electromobility for a decade, and now ahead of the pack is the launch of the first ever all-electric BMW iX. Thanks to efficient BMW eDrive technology and its fully electric all-wheel drive, the BMW iX achieves an exceptional range of up to 630 kilometers and delivers powerful acceleration from standstill. Charging is equally impressive, giving more than 120 kilometers of driving distance with just 10 minutes fast charging. This makes the new fully electric BMW iX ideal for both city driving and long distances. The BMWs people know and love are going all electric with more models to be launched in 2022. BMW is driving tomorrow, today.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Drive Tomorrow Today, brought to you by BMW South Africa. The series is available on cliffcentral.com and the Cliff Central app, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Drive Tomorrow Today is presented by me, Francisco Mwamba, and is written, recorded, and produced by Spike Ballantyne at Cliff Central. Did you know that Alexander Graham Bell refused to have a telephone in his office? Apparently, he thought it would be too much of a distraction.